Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back for our seventh edition of the B-Team Podcast brought to you by Splitting Hairs from Jackrabbit Illustrated. I'm Brendan Lipke, glad to be with you and be talking in your ears here with my co-host, Ben Pearson. What's up, everybody? And just want to give everybody a reminder, be sure to subscribe, follow, do the download thing, all that fun stuff. We're on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, and everything fun like that. We're pretty easy to find. If you have any troubles, find me on Twitter at itsthumper76. And Ben, you're at it's Cappenhard on Twitter, if I remember no, right. There's no it's. Like people don't have it's in front of their name. Like I do. Why what I do. Why why do you have that? Because uh Thumper76 was taken and I needed to <laughs> let that one know that I'm the real one. It's not like, not like the Thumper, just it's Thumper. Yeah, yeah. You know, I figured I didn't want to be too bombastic about it. You know, just kind of, that's a good word for the podcast, huh? I feel good about it. (laughs) Um, No, I don't want to show up too, you know, out there like I do at at tailgating or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, you were a no-show. I walked by, I couldn't find you. Oh, baloney. Baloney. I was there. I might have been down to the hair razors a little bit. Insurance. I was just uh I was busy hanging out with uh Mr. Mr. Thune. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've heard of him. Name drop the senator. Got <laughs> him a big deal. See, us, you know, low, low level, you know, peasants, we were just busy smoking up some delicious smoked re- meats while you know you were being a sophisticant. And rubbing elbows with the people in power. But gotta say, pretty excited. We're very excited at our uh at our tailgate. I'm not gonna mention any names. However, a certain fellow was very proud that he was able to put his meat in a United States senator's mouth. <laughs> candy candied bacon, perverts. <laughs> why, why did you think that that meant anything else, Miss Mr. Mr. Thune? Here's the deal. When uh, when he came over with his meat, like there, there's, I mean, their Secret Service guy was kind of hanging out or in the area, but you could tell, like, when he was coming over, he kind of like got closer to Thune. He's like, "What is this guy gonna do?" <laughs> if anybody's been to my tailgate, you know that somebody from our group of the tailgate walking up would probably put any senator on edge we are uh you know most folks are in a t-shirt you know some blue jeans maybe a hoodie or a jacket and maybe they get crazy and you get a stocking cap with the ball on the top while we've got the blue and yellow bibs yarn beards homemade hats that are just ridiculous sizes <laughs> so i i don't know why the well, guy was nervous at all that doesn't make any correct. sense Credit to Thune, though. He he took a bite of the mystery meat and enjoyed it and kind of embraced Hobo Day all together. So oh, it was cool like to see. The meat's at the best, at the, is the best at the smoking rabbits. So he got to enjoy For it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hobo Day was a lot of fun, though. I think uh, overall, including the game, um, I know a lot of people were a little bit worried at the start, especially the first half. There was some grumbling going on. Yeah, it wasn't what I wanted to see, um, but it was Hobo Day, and at least we turned it around. Um, You know, as we know, our Hobo Days of past haven't been all that spectacular. So it was nice to see the team come out at half, make some adjustments, and uh, really run the ball down their throat. Well, yeah, and, you know, I think uh, I've talked to a couple people about this. We're so used to this explosive offense that we had in years prior where we would blow the door. If we play the lesser team, we just blow the doors off them right from the jump. And it was all systems go. And whether you want to or not, you're putting up 60 to 90 points on somebody. Some of that, I don't think that this is how this team was built. And that's kind of what we were you know, hearing and saying 
leading into this year is we were going to lean on the defense and our awesome running backs and allow our young quarterback to develop. And in my opinion, what you're seeing right now is the blueprint that NDSU had when Easton Stick was in his first year and actually through that entire run where you pound the ball, you don't make mistakes, you don't beat yourself taking big chances, let your defense hold them down like you know they can. And then from there, when the second half hits, when you've got your great backs and your your offensive line that's a downhill offensive line, you just gash them. They, they wear out and you run them over. I mean, you saw it over and over and over and over again when, when, when they had that run. And I think that's sort of the pattern that's been developing when we're playing teams that we feel we're a lot better than, which as of now has been every team except for Minnesota. We're just using that blueprint. We know that we have the line to push them around. We know have the defense to stop them. So just lean on them until they break. You know, the, the playbook hasn't even been brought off the shelf and, you know, glanced at from the Minnesota game, let alone dusted off and opened. Yeah, and I mean, you could – you definitely saw that. We had 78 rushing yards in the first half and 219 in the second half. So, I mean, that's it was just evident that it, they just got to the point where they wore down the other team's D-line and linebackers, and they just couldn't handle it anymore. And, you know, the nice thing is we can do that against teams like Southern Illinois. Will we be able to do that against teams like NDSU? Probably not. We're gonna to have to pull out pull out some more stops and get a little more creative in the in the play calling. But um, you know, like you said, it it's nice to have the luxury to be able to get Gibbs going and you know have, let him develop, not not throw the whole playback at, playbook at him right away and expect him to score forty points a game right away. So, well, having said and, that, well, what what I was gonna say is having said that. Um, you know, the O-line clearly played well in the second half. What I'd like to see, and I think a lot of people have been talking about, is just see more consistency out of them. Um, they played well, um, but at the same time, they had some a bunch of mishaps, a bunch of penalties. You know, it's just stuff you got to get cleaned up. And, and uh, this, we've had the luxury of playing some teams where you didn't really have to clean that stuff up yet. But I think starting this week, we're going to have to be a little more... Um, I guess clean things up. Well, and you know, looking at it, I think what uh, what you're saying without saying it is our pass pass protection looked terrible, and to to anybody's eye, Gibbs did not have a lot of time back there. On the same token, I haven't had time to go back and watch the game to know this to be true, but a thought that I have on that is our team starting to dial up blitzes. And Jabori isn't checking out because if you got more guys coming at you than you can block, it's not going to work. And it doesn't have to be all across the line. If you've got, you know, man, man to man protection on one side of the line, they bring four guys at that one side. You got two guys to pick up four. It's not going to work. So is some of that uh, a young quarterback missing some of those sort of pickups, checkdowns, calls? And is some of it, the offensive line just getting beat on pass plays. It, in, in my experience, usually it's a little bit of both. You know, it's and there's a lot more that goes into a sack. There's a lot of times where a sack isn't the offensive line's fault. So, uh, but I 100% agree. We need, we're going to need the passing game to be clicking when we play against NDSU. We, you can't be one dimensional against them. We've tried it over and over and over and over. Um, the years we beat them are the years that we can throw the ball over them and run on them. Now, don't get me wrong. This, this is a we're getting the cart ahead of the horse talking about a game against NDSU two weeks from now. We're playing Youngstown State now, but their defense is is capable of hurting you if you get one dimensional as well. Right. Well, and what I question is, you know, if teams, I mean, teams are clearly dialing up blitzes and low in the box. At this point, does Gibbs have the freedom to check out of things like that? Maybe not, you know, and maybe they're just saying, just run the plays, you know, we're have a limited playbook right now. We're just trying to get in the swing of things. Um, you know, I think he'll get there. Um, and on that same token, I think that 
you know, to be fair to the offensive linemen, when we do have a vanilla playbook like we have had for the most part, it gets easier for the defense. They start playing faster. They start making reads quicker and getting down, playing downfield. Whereas once we've got, once we open up the playbook a little bit and start taking advantage of those RPOs a little more, letting Gibbs run, you know, teams aren't going to be able to react as quickly. And I think you'll see the O-line play better. I mean, it'll look like they're playing better because teams won't be able to be on their toes as much. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to what you were saying, though, about audibles and things like that. Your quarterback always has some form of a hot call, hot route to call out. He might not have three. They might not be throwing three different plays on top of the one he's running to be able to audible two, but they definitely have some form of an audible to be able to account for a blitz. That's just suicidal not to have that in there. And if they don't, then that's honestly worrisome that, but I, I highly doubt that that's the case after seeing what we were able to do against Minnesota. Um, and, you know, some of it might also be we've been running this, like you were alluding to, you know, the defense can play faster when it's a simpler playbook. Well, we've been running that same vanilla playbook for the last, what, three weeks now? And so leading up into this game, you get a Valley team that gets a chance to see a limited amount of plays that they're going to have to go against. Their keys get real easy for them to yep. be off on. So, you know, I, de- I think I agree a lot with you there on that as far as that goes. But overall, the game itself, I, I, I don't know how you can be crazy upset over what ends up being a pretty dominating win overall. Yeah, I mean, you like to see the the final score be a little a little bigger, you know, a little bit uh, more disparity there. Um, you know, only winning by eighteen, it makes it look like it was closer than it actually was. But you know, once the third quarter was underway, there was never really in doubt. I thought, but um, one thing, you know, another, I'll give you a negative and a positive. Um, one negative. Chase Vinatieri still missing extra points. That's got to get cleaned up. I mean, it's got to be a mental thing at this point. Um, I would hope that as talented as he is, that he can get it figured out and we can move on from that. Um, But it's definitely an issue right now. And depending on what you bet the line at, that was a big deal (laughs) because I mean, it, some some people got it at 17 and a half. Some people got it at 18 and a half. And if you're at 18 and a half and they won by 18 and you lost because Chase Vinatieri missed extra points, not a very happy person. But uh, got to worry about our bets, man. That's important. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's <laughs> one part of it. But clearly, like, I mean, if you're right, you know, lo- looking to, to next week and even against NDSU, obviously, you got to get every point. I mean, you can't can't be chasing two point or two point conversions every other touchdown. So that's got to get, but, and then the positive side, Pierre strong, man. I mean, he had 229 yards rushing. He's just a beast mm-hmm. and he just well, seems like he gets better every week. He's just so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. He was a monster, uh, especially obviously in the second half. Once he gets into that second level, it is a bad day for the defense. If they don't get, if you don't get, pads on that dude at the at the line of scrimmage you're gonna have a long long day um he was phenomenal and i think the defense was phenomenal as well you know they gave up one drive at the end of the half and a field goal that was basically the best outcome you could possibly hope for with where the where southern Illinois got the ball they were lights out the whole game in my opinion they did a great job it was a lot of fun to watch them fly around the field again not quite a Pierre strong performance, but it was it was pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Well, and by the way, side note, did you notice the way their punter was kicking the ball for most of the game? Uh, a little goofy. He's a rugby style punter, if I remember right. Yeah, but it was like it was like he almost missed the ball most of the time. I don't know what he had going on. He had a good one later on, but man, every time he punted the ball, I was like, if this is what punting is, I should just go back and punt because I can do better than this guy. But <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, 
Yeah, there was a couple. It looked like he wasn't catching much of it, but he really got into another one. Yeah, later in the game, he got into a big one. So I was like, ah, maybe I should just stay in the stands, I guess. I suppose we should stay in the stands. Yeah. Well, and then after the game, um, went downtown, uh, took in a little more of the Hobo Day experience, and it was a good time. So I had a couple uh, pictures of backpackers at gyms and stopped at cubbies and all the all the good stuff so yeah it was a successful whole day overall i thought yeah you know i went down to sully's and someone had challenged me during the week to some sort of uh you know barley pop event and they they never showed so i i just had (laughs) to you know take that frustration out on all other challengers who stepped up to the plate against me but uh no it was a good it was a good time um I actually had a friend of mine from Fargo come up with me, and he was something of a, uh, uh, I'll say he was treated as a novelty by people <laughs> walking by Jordan. <laughs> uh, he had some people stop and take pictures of him and stuff, so that was funny. It was a good time. Um, you know, yeah, he just had had to had to sport that NDSU t-shirt, didn't he? Well, yeah, I what fun would that be? I I can't blame him when I, if we have an away game, I'll go to a tailgate up here and I'm in me and the wife are all in blue and yellow. So I can't, I can't really nice. talk much there. I'm kind of a, mm-hmm. kind of a shit like that. So <laughs> that's all right though. It was fun. Good times. But, um, you know, it looks like, you know, fade Brent, Brendan, get rich actually, uh, panned out, Again, I know it doesn't happen often, but uh, your your uh, your betting scheme has paid off this week. Yeah, I mean, you would have made a little money. You went three and four, so uh, the the fade Brendan strategy went well. The follow Ben strategy went real well. I went five and two, uh, so that was a solid week for me. Widen yeah. widen the gap even more between me and you. I, I expect uh, the podcast to be you know, uh, sponsored by Ben's picks service, you know, anytime now with, uh, how successful and how much money you got to be raking in off of your picks here. We get out my cell line. You can call in and get the, the pick of the day or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to finance like a, a, a live shot podcast for the playoffs or something from Ben's, Ben's betting service, the <laughs> BBS. I like it. We'll get her lined up. Hear that? So the th- it's on record. It's on record. <laughs> the three out of conference games we picked ended up being kind of blowouts, and uh, so the first one Nichols took down Central Arkansas pretty handily by twenty points, um, and then you know Montana just took it to Idaho State fifty nine to twenty, and they were only seven seven point favorites, and then game- last one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, that game was weird. Montana was down to start that game. Actually, the whole first half ended like 17 to 17, and Montana just went off in that second half and just torched Idaho State. That was a wild game. I was checking scores, you know, during the game and just wide-eyed going, what's going on with Montana? And then they woke up but they kind of had a tendency to do that all year. So shouldn't be terribly surprised. I'm just surprised at the amount of points they put up on Idaho State. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been saying it for the past couple of weeks, but it definitely looks like Montana's a real deal, and they're back to playing good football again, which is good for the FCS, I think. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. It's one of your biggest and most rabid fan bases. You, you want that in there you know it's good for sdsu i would love for them to be just good enough to have to come here in the semifinals (laughs) and then we can dish out a little bit of revenge on the frozen tundra instead of having them hiding up in their hidey hole in the mountains (laughs) was that was that too much i I like it's not bulletin board material shade (laughs) yeah we'll keep the we'll keep the bulletin board material to a to a minimum (laughs) <laughs> we'll behave. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then the last one, Furman just took it to Sanford, uh, 58 to 14. Um, you know, you'd, you'd mentioned that Sanford was actually coming back around, but man, they, they didn't, didn't put a much, put a much of a fight in this one. 
You know, and honestly, uh, I think that says a lot more about the SoCon in general because that's who Sanford was starting to get a little bit of a run against, and Furman just came in. They must have been pissed off about how last week went being a good game because they came out and laid the hammer down. So kind of what I've been getting from that and a couple other teams that looked like they were sort of coming on, like the Citadel, and then seeing them lose to – VMI recently, you know, it seems like the SoCon is going to be a bunch of mediocre and then Furman and maybe another team rises to sort of challenge them. But I think it's looking like Furman can really own that conference here. The, what are they, the, the Paladins? Paladins. Paladins? Yes. Never knew how to, I've seen it. I've never, I've never heard it's ever, ever heard it spoke. So I didn't know how to say it. I I'm not sure what, a, what is a paladin? A paladin's a knight. <laughs> Shining armor. Just couldn't too kind fancy to just call them the Furman Knights. Well, I mean, that's kind of boring. I guess it's, it could be, it could be worse. They could have called themselves like the bison or something. True. But, you know, so speaking of which, paladin. speaking of which, how big are the heads getting in Fargo after they took down Illinois State 37-3? Well, it's uh, unfortunate because I'm tall. So when heads get that big, they start like, you know, they make their heads swell up taller and they don't realize how big their head is and then it bumps against you and it's just kind of wading through a sea. No, um, they're feeling good up here, and they should. I mean, they're, they've are they laid the wood to some what we thought was going to be some good teams. But, yeah, they're, they're really feeling it now. They were pretty mad about Brian McLaughlin uh, not voting them as number one and voting JMU number one. But this week happened, and now uh, he finally flipped his vote. So they're, I, I'm sure they'll find something else to be mad about. Don't get me wrong. But – They've won that crusade. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear-cut at this point that NDSU is number one, especially now with uh, James Madison losing, or not losing, going to overtime and nearly losing to Stony Brook, which Stony Brook's a good team, but um, I think it'd be pretty hard to argue um, JMU number one at this point. So, But, I mean, you know, is NDSU ever going to lose a game again? Are they just going to go undefeated forever now or what? Yeah, that's how that always works. Mm-hmm. Except for the years it doesn't. But no, I mean we it there's a bunch of games left to play. They got another tough matchup this week. Um could Illinois State have just been way overrated? Possible. I I don't know. I think um NDSU's style of football has changed a little bit where their defense is more of a they give up some yards. No, they're not that lockdown defense they used to be. They're bend but don't break. Now, granted, they're not giving up a lot of points, but they're allowing teams to move the ball, and we'll see how long that works for them. I mean, we've seen it work for the Jacks, great, and they've got a higher-powered, more aggressive offense, I think, than they've run in the past, at least from what I've gathered and watching short clips and things like that. So who knows? It's a grand season we've got yet we're not even uh through the halfway point fully right but what we're here to do is overreact and right speaking of overreacting usd just blew out indiana state their season is clearly on the upswing and they're probably gonna go undefeated from here on out and make the playoffs i'm i'm guessing oh absolutely i mean that is the take that I would take after you play two teams that lose their starting quarterbacks before they play you. You're definitely look. I was yeah. We're being <laughs> we're being you know smart asses about this, but in all seriousness, um, they do look a lot better. I mean, if they were still playing the defense of old, I don't care uh, necessarily what defense was out or offense was playing against them, and. They had a good game and took it to them. Uh, they don't look like they're going to be last in the Valley. Like It really seemed like they were, had their sights set up. But it's so hard to tell when you have two matchups for them. I know it's going to do absolute wonders for their team's confidence going into the rest of the season. 
but we're going to have some tests coming up for them real shortly in the Valley and we'll see what they're really made of. Yep. Speaking of the bottom of the Valley, we got Missouri state and Western Illinois went to overtime and Missouri state won that one 37 to 31 in overtime. Um, those are two pretty bad teams that, uh, duked it out and uh, Western Illinois is going to struggle to win a game this year. They got probably their last chance of the year against Indiana state coming up next week. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I think uh, that just solidified that it's going to be Indiana state or Western Illinois and last probably not winning a game for the rest of the um, conference season after that one. And it's (laughs) Not a game that gets me excited to watch it. <laughs> That's for sure. Wolf. Yeah, that one's going to be brutal. Then uh, you and I beat Youngstown State by seven at home, which is exactly what the spread was. So that one was a was a push for us. Um, but you know, I wasn't able to watch that game. But um, I guess it. I mean, based on the spread, it, it went exactly as it as people thought it would. Yeah, and I looked up the stats from that game. Uh, Youngstown State could not run. I, I looked up Youngstown State's stats specifically. I didn't really um, look up how you and I did statistically in that game. Um, Youngstown State just couldn't run the ball. They passed for 239 yards, and their two touchdowns were through the air, and I'm pretty sure they were held to under 100 yards rushing. So against you and I, if you're not passing for – 380 yards and four touchdowns you're not beating him without running the ball and that's what happened which is kind of surprising i didn't necessarily expect Mays to have that much success but they definitely kind of forced them to pass a little bit more than i'm sure they would really like to being a bopolini team well yeah and they were youngstown was down 21 to seven and a half and so they had to play a little bit of catch up which i'm sure Padded the passing stats a little bit, but um, I mean Youngstown State obviously has a impressive defense if they held UNI to zero points in the second half. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, the the fact that they couldn't run the ball um, against UNI makes me feel pretty good because our run defense is pretty stout too. So right, might might be yeah. good good things to come there. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into that more, obviously, later in the podcast. But uh, it's got to give you a good feeling uh, as an SDSU fan because I don't think that UNI's defense is any better than SDSU's defense. So that's a good omen for us there. I would agree. In the last game, as we alluded to, or we talked about a little earlier, SDSU won 28-10, which based on our spread, which we picked at 17.5, they covered based on the spread that that showed up after the day after we picked um, they did not cover so just depending on when you when you bet on that one get on it early uh, yeah for sure so then other other national news um, we mentioned Jim James Madison had to go to overtime to win um, but they held on and they held on to the number two spot in the poll um, the poll was kind of a um, for lack of a better term, shit show this week. It was a cluster. Oh, I, I personally spent hours ranking the teams from 11 through 25, and I still didn't feel good about it. It was just a disaster. <clears throat> I think filling out my poll, I had to fix four different times where I ended up with a team in two different spots and went, wait, no, that's not right. And then you go back through all your research and go, okay, I want them here. Well, who do I want here then? <laughs> it was, I, 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 looking at the poll, anywhere from 15 down, pick a team, you can probably make an argument for them right now that at least can make a little bit of logical sense. I won't say it's the right argument because it's not my argument, but it's, um, it, at least you can make, an argument for any team, you know, anywhere from Sam Houston state all the way to UND. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's going to, 
it's going to be a mess when teams like you know Eastern Washington and UC Davis are just in an absolute free fall at this point. Um, you know, UC Davis losing to uh, UND and Eastern Washington losing to Sac State. So, um, yeah, I mean, both of those teams were in the top top five not that long ago. So it's tough to well, and like you you mentioned before five of the top 25 teams are on by and then the seven of the teams that played lost. Yeah. So it was kind of, yeah, kind of a rough week this week. The teams that were hanging around and others receiving votes. And then, you know, the tier just below them, half of those teams lost too, or played somebody lackluster or whatever. And then you got Kennesaw state who hasn't played anybody yet, but what are you, you going to do? I mean, can you move them up because they're undefeated against nobody? Well, I don't know. That's kind of up to the voter to decide, I suppose. Personally, I don't think so, but it's getting to the point where if right now going into any week, you don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of parity, I think, across the nation. So in Eastern Washington, Davis, talk about being overrated. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I don't know the history on this, but I don't think it'd be that often when a team, you know, two teams who were in the top twenty, top five in the first few weeks of the season to end up out of the poll in like the sixth that week of the season. That's a good question. So, I, I have some people. I, I would like to pose that question. That's a good one. I, I'm not sure that quick. I know it happens, you know, at the end of the season, right. but boy. To, bomb out that fast and then yeah, oh, yeah jacksonville state who was top 10 and you gotta re- well with that why don't we get into this week's picks we've got a couple out of conference games and then we'll pick the missouri valley games as well as we always do there's a pretty big matchup a villanova going to james madison and james madison Opened up at like I think it was like a twelve point spread, and there it's down to nine and a half right now, which is what we'll pick it at, which is a pretty tough spread if you ask me. Uh, what are your thoughts on that matchup? You know, uh, that's a top five matchup. Um, there's two ways this is going to go. Either JMU is going to come out um, pissed off that they had an overtime game against Stony Brook or they're going to be wore out because it was an overtime game against Stony Brook. And Villanova didn't have an easy walkaway victory against William & Mary either. So that's kind of tough. I think the biggest advantage for JMU is that there's going to be fans at the game because Villanova doesn't get any at their home game. Hmm. And this is at JMU. But that being said, I am a bigger believer in Villanova than I am JMU. I'm going to take the points with Villanova, but I honestly think they go in there and upset JMU. Um, I just don't have that much faith in Ben DiNucci. I think JMU drops a game this year. I think Villanova is good enough to be a seed, and I think this is going to be their big signature win for the year. Yeah, that, that Villanova Will and Mary, Bill and Mary game was pretty surprising. Um they Villanova had to score a touchdown with less than two minutes left to take the lead in that one. So, and William and Mary is not that good. So, no. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's it's conference play. You're going to see games like that happen, right? Um, I I'm going to go and say the Villanova is going to cover. I don't I don't know if they'll win like you you mentioned. Is that Pelini's? Is that Pelini's cat over there? No, that's uh, Did you? my cat to be edited out later, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> I don't know if you were trying to get in Pelini's head and like confiscated his cat. No, that's later in the week. You can't do it that early, otherwise they get it back in time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, like I said, villain over to cover. I don't think they'll win. I think JMU will squeak out the win, but that'll be a real interesting game to watch. Um, the last couple of years, Jamie's kind of took it to Villanova, so we'll see if Villanova can kind of turn the tide there. The second out-of-conference game of the week that we're going to pick is uh, Sacramento State going to Montana State, and Montana State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Um, Sacramento State coming off their quote-unquote big win against Eastern Washington, which... 
you know, doesn't, isn't that big anymore since Eastern right. Washington's hasn't looked good, but um, Montana state thinks that they're, you know, a top 10 team this year. Um, but that's a pretty small spread. So I'm going to go with Sacramento state coming in there and, and getting the win. Yeah. Montana state's big question all year is that they're so darn one dimensional. Um, they still really haven't solved the quarterback problem, even if they don't have Troy Anderson playing it all the time. So Sac state has looked pretty darn good. It's hard to say how good they are with some of the teams that they've played, but with that being said, the teams they have played against, they've beaten by more points than anybody else has. And I'm not a big believer in the transitive property, but if it becomes a pattern that you do that all the time, I'm guessing you're better than we think. And Sac State's starting to sneak up into the polls here. And I think they actually do go in and take this game from Montana State at Montana State. If it was the Gold Rush game or something like that, maybe I'd go with Montana State. But I think this one brings MSU down to earth a little bit and Sac State vaults up the polls after this one. Yeah, I mean, especially I remember watching Montana State against Western Illinois and they did not look that convincing. Right. Um, and Western Illinois is clearly not that good. So, yeah, I, I think there's that spread being that small is for good reason and it's because Sac State is that good and Montana State might not be as good as people think they are. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. And uh, yeah, we're both on the same side on that one. Um, then we get into the Valley play. We got uh, another pretty big game, Northern Iowa going to NDSU and NDSU is a 19 point favorite in that one. Pretty big, pretty big spread. God, that spread's huge. That's a tough one. Um, in the Fargo dome, I don't care what people say. This is a rivalry game, especially to UNI. Um, they don't take kindly to either of the Dakota State schools coming in here and kind of stealing their thunder. They don't feel they take that pretty personally. That being said, their offense, I just – it's hard to see them staying with NDSU the whole game. They'll, their defense is probably good enough to hold them down for – the first half, maybe the first three quarters, but then I think NDSU pulls away at the end. That 19 points, gosh, do I think NDSU wins by three touchdowns? I think it's more like a 14 to 17 point win for NDSU, even though it is at the Dome. Oh, like there's a difference. They're both uh, playing in shopping malls. So I'll take uh, you and I on that one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I'm, I'm thinking like a 14 to 17 point victory for NDSU. Um, I think UNI's defense will be able to hold NDSU's offense down a little bit better than Illinois State did. And I think McLevane will be slinging it around a little bit and keeping him in the game somewhat enough to cover the spread at least. So moving on, our next game is Illinois State going to Southern Illinois. And this is a surprising spread to me. Southern Illinois is favored by two and a half. I mean, yeah, Illinois State just lost to NDSU. What was it, 30, uh, 37 to 3? But, man, I mean, I, I I guess what are your thoughts on that, on Southern Illinois being favored in that game? Um, You know, I don't know. Because Illinois State, if you really think about it, who are their big wins this year? Northern Arizona? Maybe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So is, right. is Illinois State a team that's like a Jacksonville State, Eastern Washington, or UC Davis, who's been able to hide their flaws longer because they didn't have any of the real tough games up front? And personally, I think if you're actually a top 10 team, you shouldn't. I know that NDSU is number one, but in your house, you shouldn't get boat, boat race like that. I'm not a real believer in Illinois State's offense. And while I thought that we showed we were quite a bit better than Southern Illinois by grinding and running over them, I don't think they looked like a terrible team out there at all either. And with it being at home, 
I think Southern Illinois State's gonna be coming out to prove a point. Southern Illinois State, just to keep you guys on your toes out there. That's not Com- a real school. But combine I, the schools together. I'm, I'm hedging my bets. Is that legal? If I get <laughs> Southern Illinois State to win? Is that okay? Definitely, definitely not. Okay. Win on both? No. Thank you. Come on, I gotta catch up some ground here. Give me, give me a break. Um, Let's get crazy. I'm gonna take some. I'm gonna take the flying Saluki Egyptian dogs who eat children. <laughs> um, man, I, I don't know. It's tough to tell because, yeah, Illinois State doesn't have a great win, but their two losses are to an FBS school in Northern Illinois, which they probably should have at least been closer in that game, and then to NDSU, who is NDSU. So. Their losses aren't all that bad, but their wins aren't all that great. So I think we still have yet to find out who Illinois State really is. Southern Illinois, they've been kind of up and down. I'm going to go with Illinois State kind of showing out a little bit in this game, getting their chance to um, get a good win against a decent team in Southern Illinois. So we'll we'll be on the opposite side for the first time this week in that one. hey one game at a time. There you go. And then we got, uh, I mean, I I don't want to be mean, but this is pretty much the toilet bowl of the of the Missouri Valley slate, and for the for the whole season, yeah, not just this week. Yep. And it's Western Illinois going to Indiana State, um, like we alluded to earlier. It's going to be these two teams likely fighting it out for the bottom of the Missouri Valley. Whoever loses this game probably won't get a chance to win another game this season. And Indiana State's favored by six. Um, I I have no idea where to go with this game. (laughs) Indiana State looked really bad against USD, so I don't know. I'll go with Western Illinois just because that's a lot of points, and it'll probably be a close game like Missouri State and Western Illinois was. I mean, yeah, I hate hate to go with recency bias, but I mean, you almost have to with Western Illinois at least going to overtime with uh, Missouri State and scoring 31 points in that game. Indiana State put up a big old goose egg against a USD defense who we've seen is not that good. So right. I think Indiana State's packing it in now that Boyle's out, and I'm going to take Western Illinois covering and probably winning that game too. Then we go to USD, uh, which is going to visit Mo- or Missouri State, who is a seven and a half point dog in that one. That's a kind of a tough spread with um, asking USD to cover over a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, do you believe USD's really come back and got it locked in, or don't you? Is kind of what this boils down to. Um, Missouri State's shown they can put up a fight. They did it against Kennesaw. And I think Kennesaw is a better team than USD, but USD does have an offense that's capable of putting up a lot of points really quick compared to a Kennesaw that's a triple option grind you down. Um, I'm going to say that USD has righted the ship enough to be on the same plane as a Southern Illinois, and I'm going to take USD to yeah, and to win by well, to cover. That's the word I'm picking USD to cover. Covering seven and a half. See, that's tough when you get over a touchdown there. Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Missouri State plus seven and a half at home. I think it it is going to be a high scoring game, and that total. You know, this may be for entertainment purposes only. Of course, this may be a good idea to look at the total in this one, which is at fifty six and a half. Um, you know, we've seen USD's defense not be very good. Missouri State's gave up a lot of points too, and their offenses have shown that they're capable of putting up points. So, I, like I said, I'm going to go with Missouri State covering there, and we're looking for a shootout. And then we go to the game, big game of the week for us. We go to Youngstown State and the Fighting Bopolinis, who are seven point underdogs against us this week. Yeah. What do you think? What do you th- what do you think of that spread? Um I think it's fair 
if you're looking at it from an outsider's perspective and seeing who we've played, who we haven't played, and whatnot. Uh, all that being said, to date, really Youngstown State's best performances so far have been a game against Sanford where they played a team with no defense and a team against UNI where they played a team with really no offense. I don't think they've faced a team like SDSU that has the capability to do both things. Um, we all remember that nightmare game where they just held on to the ball and played keep away from our offense. I don't think that's going to happen this time. They did just play a UNI team who and gave up 21 points to a team that had no running game. What to speak to, you know, to speak of going into that matchup. And if you're losing to a team like that, I, I don't like your odds against a team like the Jacks this week. I think uh, it'll be a, a close game until the end, and they'll start to get wore down by Pierre Strong and the 605 Hogs. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take SDSU in that game to cover. I'm going to agree with you. You know, Youngstown State, while they are 4-1, and one, their wins are against Sanford, Howard, Duquesne, and Robert Morris. Not a real... Great uh, resume so far, and then obviously losing to UNI last week by seven. I'm going to agree. I think SDSU covers here. Um, I'm looking for SDSU to come out and put together a complete game against a quality opponent going into a pretty tough to place, tough place to play where we've had issues in the past. So having said that, I guess what are some specific things you're looking for this week against Youngstown? This week against uh, Youngstown, I'm hoping that we're able to get Gibbs a little more time in the pocket. Uh, I think that we're going to have a good run game again, but I'd like to see more than one hit over the top for a good gain. You know, really the majority of our passing yards came off of one play last week. I'd like to see some more consistency in the pass game, maybe less of the quick screen game that we saw a lot of this last game, a little bit more of a vertical or over the middle game would be nice to see because we've seen it work. Um, And really just to see the offensive line be consistent on both aspects of their game, running and passing the ball would be really good to see just to be able to see what we really got in Gibbs against, uh, you know, a full stature Valley defense. Cause let's not kid ourselves. You know, some States still has pretty good defense, so that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, and hopefully we come out and are able to dictate what we want to do out on the field instead of having to adapt to what they're doing and reacting and then having to change things up and do things we don't want to do. Right. I like that you mentioned the downfield passing, especially down the middle of the field. Um, I feel like that's been missing from – our uh, game so far this year, like see Blake Coons get involved. Um, I think, you know, especially with the strength of our running game, if we get some RPOs going, get some, you know, as the NFL calls it, play action, but mm-hmm. um, get that going and get some, um, you know, passes over the middle where those L- linebackers are going to have to suck up and try to stuff the run. There should be some openings there. Um, yeah, like you said, I, downfield passing is definitely something I want to see more of and um, maybe open up the playbook a little more. Um, you know, we haven't had to to this point, and I'm, I guess I'm hoping we still don't have to. Um, but would I like to see it a little more just to see what Gibbs has? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's interesting with his broken pinky, whether, you know, it's we still don't know how healthy that is. Um, and you know, whether they're going to let him run the ball. I mean, I think it's been pretty clear so far that he's basically not even, he may be reading whether he would, would have run the ball or not, but it's clear that they've told him you're not going to run the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it'll, you know, I'm, and I'm all for that. If it's, if it's keeping him his hand healthy and until we actually need it possibly against NDSU, then that's fine. Well, and, you know, kind of the reality of it is if we don't, I, I think as a coaching staff, they're going to decide the playbook uh, 
uh, going in. I don't think that's something you want to have to switch to in the middle because that means you underestimated your opponent or the defense just isn't playing up to its potential and they're gashing us. So um, personally, I'm, I'm torn as a fan. You know, you'd like to see them open that playbook and see what this offense's true potential really is after the flash that we saw in Minnesota. Um, and you'd kind of like to see Gibbs to get a game under his belt doing that, you know, but we do have a history of trying to keep things under our belt up until the marker game when the marker game is not at the end of the season, which, Hey, guess what is in a couple weeks. So, um, if we don't open the playbook up in this game, we're not going to see that baby opened up until October 26th. And that's just the way it's going to be, uh, with our history against Youngstown State, I don't necessarily think that this is a type of game where we do open the playbook up. I think it's just going to be a ground and pound grinder of a game. Yeah, I I would agree with you. And I guess I haven't looked at the weather, but um, if it's anything like it's going to be around here and then it's going to be a little colder, probably not going to be as conducive to the passing game anyway. So yeah, I mean, the nice thing is we have the horses in the backfield and the offensive line to do a ground, you know, a ground pound game. And, you know, that may be what we end up seeing. So, well, and you know what we'd be saying if we if we weren't riding them horses we got in the backfield? Why don't we run the ball more? We got all these great running backs. We're passing the ball over there. You know, if Gibbs has an extra interception or two during the game. Everybody would be mad that we aren't running the ball enough when we've got studs like Pierre and Mikey and CJ in the backfield. So we're just never going to be happy as fans. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, that's very true. But you got to always have something to complain about. Yeah. Until we win that, until we win that championship anyway. (laughs) That's right. I will, I will have zero complaints when that happens. (laughs) Exactly. Well, with that, um, as always, like we said, follow us on uh, social media and subscribe to the podcast. Um, Drop us a note if you have any comments or want us to address anything in particular. We're more than willing to do that. So we appreciate appreciate everyone that's been listening. And uh, I guess with that, go big, go blue. Go Jacks. Go Jacks.